this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My grand historical novel is um, about Britney Spears. I'm Alex Higley. And I'm Lindsay Hunter. And And I'm I'm a writer, writer, but... Welcome to I'm a Writer But. With us today, we have Jennifer Burney. Jennifer Burney writes to explore the human state of longing. Her essays have appeared in Tin House, The Offing, Brevity, The New York Times, The Washington Post, and many other publications. Jennifer grew up on the East Coast, but spent many summers falling in love with the Pacific Northwest, where the trees, mountains, and water seem to put all worries in perspective. She has made a home in Olympia where she lives with her partner, two sons, a corgi, a mutt, 41 chickens, and many honeybees. Jennifer holds an MFA in creative writing from the University of Washington and teaches writing at South Puget Sound Community College. Welcome, Jennifer. Welcome, Jen. Thank you. Yeah, (laughs) either works. Thank you so much for coming on. What do you have for us? What, What are you going to read to us? Okay, well, I was remembering that some of your earlier episodes, some of your guests read stuff like from Works in Progress. Totally. So... I was into doing that. So I'm going to read what I've been working on this week with like my stolen moments of time. (laughs) I can't wait to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's just like, so this is just some random stuff um, that's currently a document titled Possum on my (laughs) computer. Excellent. Okay, here it goes. A month into pandemic lockdown. My partner returned from work unexpectedly one morning. I was coming home from a run when I saw her in the driveway, and I could tell by the way that her hands were cupped that she was holding something small and alive. What is it? I asked her. She opened her hands to reveal a fetal possum, naked with translucent skin still covering its eyes, about two inches long. It squirmed furiously. "Uh Uh-uh, I said. I can't. My partner, a construction electrician, had been deemed essential. She left for work every day while I stayed home with our two sons and tried to somehow keep a full-time job. My days were filled with making snacks and cleaning up after snacks and frantic emails and distracted Zoom meetings. 
My days were filled with battles over reading practice and math facts and deciphering teacher instructions. I had already this morning at my partner's request buried a rabbit that been, had been hit by a car in front of our house. There was no room in my heart for a naked possum. My partner's truck was still running. She had to get back to work. No fucking way, I said. You're going to need to find the heating pad and put it underneath a shoebox, she explained. You're going to need to feed it milk from a dropper every hour. Upstairs in the bathroom, I sat on the floor and cradled the fetal possum in my left hand. I was skeeved by it, by the thinness of its skin, its visible veins and organs, its tiny claws. I was skeeved by the way it squirmed with such strength that I feared it might launch itself from my hand. But then I dripped milk on its lips and they quivered and sucked. Its mouth searched for more. It kept giving. The fear in my body transfigured to love. Another day in a different month, my partner and I sat outside in a couples therapy session. I can't remember what month it was, but my brain wants to decorate the scene with bright explosions of pollen, with maple trees dropping their tiny green flowers everywhere, our cars covered with a fine yellow dust. My brain wants to put sunlight there and wind. Socially distanced couples therapy meant that we sat on a porch eight feet from our counselor. We brought blankets and tumblers of hot tea. A coffee table sat between us with a box of tissues, a bottle of hand sanitizer. We had to speak up to be heard. Sometimes a squirrel ventured up the porch steps. Sometimes a neighborhood resident walked by. The absurdity was heartening. We were already going overtime when our counselor delivered a line that I have tried to always remember that I am writing down now to always remember. The family, she said, needs to be an ecosystem where everyone gets a turn on the sunny rock. When she said it, I could picture it, a flat gray rock on the edge of a pond. In my mind's eye, I was a turtle. I needed a turn on the rock. Turtles, I have since learned, bask in the sun for a reason. The basking isn't luxury. They bask because if they don't fully dry out, their shells rot. It doesn't stretch my imagination to consider how shell rot would feel. My right shoulder has already started to itch. That itch is already spreading. Learning this about turtles changed the word bask for me. Now it sounds like a survival practice to shelter, to forage, to bask. Beautiful. Thank you. It made me think of, have you heard of um, the literary magazine Nurture? I don't think I have. Oh, they would love this. It's okay. all about caregiving. It's um, all work about caregiving. Shout out Nurture. <laughs> I will look it up. <laughs> so tell us when you get this work done. When do you get your drips and drabs? Yeah. Um... 
I, they really are drips and drabs, I guess. Um, I've been, I mean, lately with this whole pandemic scene, it's usually after bedtime mm -hmm. if I can, if I can swing it. Mm -hmm. And then um, my kids just started going back to school two days a week. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been, I've been trying to do like this time management scheme where I just, <laughs> even though I have a million things to do, I like try and steal an hour or two to write from that once in a while now. Mm -hmm. And what you read was so specific and detailed and alive. How do you access that in those little amounts of time that, that you're stealing? Mm. You know, I feel like right now I'm sort of just having fun writing about what's really recent for me. Mm. And I, I took this break. Um, I was working on a different project, you know, before March of 2020. And then when we were all stuck at home, I just stopped doing that. And I, um, I spent like seven months just writing letters to friends oh, and wow. writing journals, which I hadn't done in so long. Um, and so I feel like the writing I'm doing now is really connected to the space of having written for like not for an audience or not for publication for, for some time. Jen, was that inspired by somebody? Was there someone that kind of pointed you in that direction to maybe focus on that type of writing or was it something that just came naturally to you that you drifted into? I, I think I drifted into it. Um, I think partly because I just felt unmoored. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, when the when shutdown happened, I was sort of in this space of work was really helpful to me, like leaving the house and going to work was yeah. like really keeping me sane. So I, I had some moments at the beginning where I just didn't know how I was going to keep keep my act together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think I I think I just turned. To journaling, even though I hadn't done it in a really long time, as, as just a way. It was almost like I wasn't going to be able to put words on the page that were for anyone else at that moment. So, definitely, I I was thankful for my commute um, <laughs> in the early <laughs> days of the pandemic. I just thought, you know, I need this 20, 25 minutes where I can listen to music or listen to a book or something because. Yeah, I was, uh, <laughs> I was struggling in that same way where you're just, you were thinking like, where does this energy that I don't, me, I'm speaking me personally, don't know how to effectively put into a creative project right now. And also that is really not useful anywhere else. How do I just expel this? And I, there was no answer. It was just like, turn the music up in the car and uh, that had to work. But I like the idea of, of writing letters. <laughs> that, that sounds like you, a much uh, better, better choice. You, you both had like really healthy and like, um, I feel like useful reactions to like how to center yourselves and like, you know, like keep yourself sane. I tried to sell a book. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey, what about me? <laughs> I remember seeing a tweet um, sort of at the beginning, maybe in March 2020, that's, that was saying, you know, hey, this is a historic time and you should keep a journal and you should try to find a way to like write about what's happening in your daily lives because you're going to want to access this at some point in the future. And I remember thinking like, nah. <laughs> and I think that might have like that sort of denial and that sort of belief 
that um, I see, and I'm giving myself too much credit. I think I was just a <laughs> fool. I think I was just an utter fool. <laughs> um, what do you think? Like, what do you feel about that? Does it feel like a body of work, Jen? Or, or does it, you know, like, I know you said it wasn't for anyone. Um, but do you feel like it fed you in the same or in a, in a different way or an important way, the same way that your creative writing does that? Yeah, I, I remember having this conversation with another writer friend of mine, and she's talking about fallow periods. And I felt I was like going along with it, but I felt skeptical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I felt like I don't know if this is building to anything or leading to anything. Um, and then by the end of the summer, I just all of a sudden, you know, voluntarily, I stopped journaling, I'd stopped feeling any impulse to do that. And then since then, what the way I've been writing is I've just been creating this really weird, unruly document mm. um, that just keeps going and going. Um, <laughs> and what I what I read from is actually was sort of an attempt to pull out a couple of the sketchy things in that document and, you know, turn, turn them into something. It's like you freed yourself from um, like a structure that you were using before and now you're finding a new structure or, or like not even using a structure. It's like you're yeah. free, right? That, I mean, that's what it feels like. It, it feels really fun. Oh, <laughs> it's just way that's surprising to me. And I, I think all the time, I feel like Linda Berry has come up on this podcast yeah, before. Yes, I, I have brought her up many times. Okay. <laughs> I, I have this page of hers from the book syllabus that I don't, it's ridiculous. I don't have it marked because I feel like I'm always like <laughs> going mm. back to that book and trying frantically trying to find this page. And she has this page where she talks about just drawing a character over and over and not forcing anything, like just allowing the character to organically become whatever it wants to be. Mm. Um, And so that I feel like I come back to that as a goal, Mm. right? Of like, what would it mean to not force anything that I'm working on? What did it, like, what sorts of things did you feel like you were forcing before? Like, do you, do you, do you know what those things were? Yeah, I, it's a good question. I'm not, let me see if I can articulate it. I, I think, um, I don't know how much it was forcing. I think I'm just, it might be the difference between like level, a level of freedom that, I'm trying to feel or that I'm going for Mm -hmm. like I guess I've been trying to think when I was working this week on what I just read I started to think about it like making a puzzle Mm. and like um, because trying to keep my brain away from judging myself for my craft Mm -hmm. in terms of like, I can't make this work. Like I'm supposed to give background on this information to make this scene work and I can't. So I suck. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And instead I would just kind of keep writing. Like for example, in what I was just writing, the, the thing about the sunny rock was supposed to come back to um, this uh, awareness that I was having about my mother and how I carry her with me in my relationship. 
Oh, wow. And I think as I keep writing, that piece will come, but I couldn't wedge it in there and the turtle showed up instead. Wow. It's evocative how it is. I mean, that was so striking when, when that entered, I was like, my God, <laughs> because you're really set up for it in the piece that you read. I mean, that line has to deliver because of what precedes the actual delivery. I can't remember exactly what you said, but where the, you know, I'm, I'm writing, I'm writing this down even now to remember it as I move forward or whatever it was. I mean, you're really set up like, okay, this better be good. And then it is, it's super <laughs> evocative. It's great. Yeah. So I'm just trying to enjoy the turtle when it shows up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I oh feel like gosh. that's the piece I was missing before was like, really like working harder on, on getting to the thing I wanted to get to. Hmm. <laughs> I'm just finding it so much more fun to like, Oh, like deal with the thing that, that arrives. Right. Enjoy the turtle is our new catchphrase. Okay. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> it is so good. I was also thinking, uh, Jen, I'm not intelligent enough a writer to have an aim, something I'm aiming at. There's no target. It's just like, I have to remember, like, make sure I'm not tripping over my shoelaces step by step. And it's like, okay, I got a clean step, a clean step. We're making forward progress, but we don't know where we're walking ever. Yeah, I don't know. But I think, yeah, that's the beauty of it. The not knowing <laughs> totally. is, like, is the beauty of it's it. It's like, oh, man, there's a turtle. Oh, a turtle over here. What? <laughs> <laughs> What's revising like for you? And I guess that's probably a different answer for what was before versus you're probably not even looking at revising now, right? I mean, I, I feel like on some level it's revision. I mean, it just depends on what, how you define draft. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm curious how, how you both work with it, but. I mean, I I'm think, asking you so that I can use your answer to legitimize myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think my initial drafts are just so messy. You might not even call them drafts. What do they look like? Um, I think they just look like, um, I mean, sometimes it just looks like me trying to keep up with what's coming into my head. So I'll start a sentence and then I won't finish it because something else is coming into my head and oh, I'm cool. wanting to keep up. Is this, and, are you typing this, Jen, or is this, is this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was a difference too. When I did my pandemic stuff was writing things by hand. That changed yeah. things a little too. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that was some some sort of way of freeing yourself from the the previous way of doing things, right? Like yeah. like the muscle memory changed. Yeah, and it's frustrating because it slows you down, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Did the sentences end up feeling different to you ultimately? Um, I don't even think I was. I think the thing about journaling too was being freed from any kind of sentence level sort right. of consideration um and freed from like having to entertain anyone right but i did get really sick of myself <laughs> <laughs> were people writing you back <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah like yeah the letters were good because those are occasional <laughs> but the okay daily, the daily <laughs> journaling like i just can't do that forever i know some people really can and they're great at it <laughs> i get i get too boring that's I exactly so the many. reason i couldn't do it i could not do that i just <laughs> i don't think i could pull enough where i would even be willing to acknowledge 
what the day was or who I am on a daily basis with any kind of honesty. <laughs> yeah. So. I feel like the moments when I want to write a thought down, I can't cause I'm like making lunch or cleaning up something or, you know, like there's not, there's not a journal at hand and I'm not going to get off the couch to get <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, um, I have so many half started journals, um, that I really meant well with and then abandoned, you know, and sometimes I'll think like, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to put pressure on yourself. It can just be, there's so often that I will take a picture of a page in a book because something, you know, there's a beautiful sentence or something, you know, hilarious. And I think to myself, I should write those down. That's what I should do is write those down. And I just mm. don't. <laughs> yeah. I can barely, this is the first time I've ever uh, kept a log of what I've read for a year. Um, just st starting January 1st this year, I was like, all right, I'm going to keep everything written in here. And I can't even keep up with that. I mean, that feels like, <laughs> that feels like torturous to me to even acknowledge like uh, a lack of, you know, the speed of, of reading is dipping. And even to, even to face that's a little bit, uh, I don't know. I'm weak is the bottom line. Jeez, that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> having having read tired. your having read your book, you're you're much uh, made of much tougher stuff than me, and much more. Oh, I don't stuff, know so. about that. <laughs> it is true though, Jen. I mean, like um, you you mentioned a, a few times in the book your shyness, but again and again throughout the book, and it's weird to talk about this because this is your life. But but again, and I feel like I'm talking about it in terms of like this narrative, but. Again and again, you you found a way to advocate for yourself, mm -hmm. you know, and um, and I was kind of wondering about it in terms of like being a writer, but also being a shy person, you know, like, does it feel does it ever feel um, hard for you? Um, you know, because it's like it's it's we want people to read us, right? We want people to 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 see these things. But does the shyness ever feel how do you balance it? I guess is what I'm saying, because I feel like it's something that lots of writers struggle with. Yeah. I mean, I, I think what I think what I struggle with and probably the why the reason I write and maybe, you know, have often written compulsively is like, I think some of the, the shyness is like, my head is just full of words all the time. Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> like, regular human interaction can be, um, it's just challenging. Like, I don't know which words <laughs> to, what what to say and especially when it's like normal everyday chit chat and I'm like trying to I don't know I'm trying to like say something innocuous do you know mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know if that makes sense like, it does like, Alex and I um <laughs> constantly are like what stupid thing did I just say on that pod like I I know I said something stupid please and we did. absolve me yeah. <laughs> yes oh it is it, because it's so in the moment we're so used to being able to see our words right before we mm -hmm. release them yeah. right yeah I think I appreciate having the full attention of the page and <laughs> yes. I have like my I have this ongoing thing with my partner because she'll finish my sentences for me because I pause. <laughs> and I'll get I'll get really derailed until she'll be like, well, you're just kind of slow. Oh <laughs> <God>. <laughs> and I oh. yeah, I think I, I appreciate having like that blank space where I can just, you know, I have all the time I want to work out <laughs> what yes. I want to say and how I, how I want to say it. 
Yeah, I, I'm much better uh, on the page. I think too often I will let my sentences just in, 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 you know, in chit chat, I'll let my sentences just sort of, I'll say, you know, and so it's like, and then I'll make some random gesture <laughs> and that's the end of the sentence. <laughs> it's like, that's not what I meant. They just haven't developed punctuation for that yet. You got to go easy on yourself. <laughs> I need like human emojis or like, yes, you know, right. like I need something like that. What were you working on in the before time? Um, in the before time, I was working on this project that I've tried to write and come back to a lot. And so I'm determined that someday, I, I think it's a project that I need to grow into. So mm. it's um, like a historical novel oh, awesome. based on um, these two women who were lovers who you probably haven't heard of but you may have Natalie Barney and Renee Vivienne no they were um yeah like turn turn of the century Paris um if they're they have this love story that's tragic and has always fascinated me yes how did you become aware of them Jen I became aware of them um I was a student I did my undergrad at the Evergreen State College. Oh yeah. And um, one day in a lecture, um, a professor just passingly told, like mentioned them and their story. And you know, I don't know, it just sort of like a chill ran through me. And that was that. (laughs) Wow. But that hasn't translated into me like being able to just sit down and write a 300 page novel. Well, I, it makes, it puts me in mind of, I don't know if you listened to the Catherine Nichols episode, um, but she's, she wrote a novel about Nijinsky based on Nijinsky. Um, and she uh, started taking ballet lessons as an adult, um, started doing all this research, wrote every scene from every character that was in the scene before <laughs> yeah, she then... I- did I you was hear that? amazed by that episode and I, I have to, wait to I, read that book. Yeah, I can't even, every time it's said out loud, I just, I'm like shaking my head. I'm like, oh my God, Catherine. <laughs> I know. I feel like I want to stop people on the street and be like, listen, listen to what I know. <laughs> A woman named Catherine Nichols did this crazy thing. <laughs> but it, it puts me in mind of, I was going to ask you as a follow-up, you know, like, is it daunting to work with historical um, record or is it freeing in a way? Is it, is it, does it, do you feel protected by by having this, you know, this record that you can draw from? Like, I think both. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, one thing I found, and I was writing, like, <laughs> the the internet has gotten better since I've started, like, I, I started writing this long enough ago that it was hard, you know, the research was even harder than it would be now, but I think mm-hmm. I still find it challenging to get the kind of, like, granular, accurate details that I would want. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's one of the things that's daunting to me about it. My grand historical novel is, um, about Britney Spears, but (laughs) I can't, every time I try, I, I, I find that I get too obsessed with writing what happened as it happened. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I, I, and I want to get, like, I'm looking for an angle into it that, that lets me access her, but, but doesn't make me beholden to telling her the exact truth. Cause I could never do that anyway. Right. Right. Um, and I, and I find myself just getting bogged, 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 bogged down, down, down until I just am so bored 
but I'm fascinated by her. I could talk about her and write about her, you know, forever, but. Yeah. That seems like it would be even more daunting because it's so recent, right? Mm -hmm. Like people, people are going to have an opinion. Mm -hmm. People have heard of what you (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. We'll see one day. Yeah. Do you like writing fiction more than nonfiction? Do you, do you tend to write them separately or do you tend to work on a little nonfiction, little fiction? Um, I, so that, that novel that I keep abandoning, that might not be the right word. I fully intend to return to it someday. (laughs) Um, That really feels to me like the only vision I have at this moment for like a fictional project. I think I, I started out writing fiction and I think I strayed from it partly because I feel daunted by by the fact that I'm making shit up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it feels really brave to me what you do. Well, it's so funny you said that, Jen. I was talking with a, a friend recently and she was saying that she couldn't imagine writing fiction without some idea, basically what you're saying, having some a project in mind because her impulse when she starts to write is is not fictive. Like she innately pulls from her life and that's a starting point and it's it's funny how i have exactly the opposite impulse i would never think i mean your book is a great example i i just cannot imagine writing uh that openly and clearly uh about my own life it just i it's amazing to me um to to look at your own life in that way and and form you know (laughs) beautiful striking sentences that relate to something that you're actually walking through on a day-to-day basis is amazing to me. Mm, Thanks. Yeah. I don't know. I think for me, I, and maybe the more I do it, the more that's become the craft for me is like, what can I pull from, from life? And I I think for me, there's a security in that just being able to say like, yeah, no, I, this is legit. (laughs) <laughs> because it happened mm. um, yeah. what is it like how does it feel to have the book out in the world and people reading it and responding to it it it, it actually is way scarier than mm. I thought it would be oh, wow. mm. um, I I really didn't feel vulnerable writing it <laughs> like it just felt really normal to me mm. um, and I like I mean, a lot of the book is talking about like my experience of my body trying to get pregnant. And I knew that stuff would read as intimate. Do you know what I mean? Or like, Oh yeah. But I didn't, it just felt, it felt normal to write. It felt fine about writing it. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I don't think I was thinking about was like, I just, I wrote it thinking like, like, I don't care if strangers read this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then I was like, right before launch, I was like, "Oh wait, it's not just strangers." Right. Mm. <laughs> I read it, and that that was the part that that was that freaked me out in a way that I hadn't really anticipated. That is terrifying, isn't it? It is, yeah. Ooh. One thing I found so instructive about your book, and it's I think it's the main thing that I'm going not that not that you're reading for a main takeaway or anything, but this is just something that rang out so loudly to me as I was reading um, 
was just the intentionality that you and your partner had to have at every step, you know, of this entire process and just how again and again to make choices again and again, you know, whether it be to have a baby at all, the sperm donor, you know, the, the big folder of, of choices you were offered things at every step, the fact that you have to reaffirm this choice with intention was so, um, eye-opening to me because I had not been walked through that process in that way um, with a couple on their way to having a child. And that was just, it, it, I think it's such a, such a special book for anyone who's a parent or thinking about being a parent, just to, to go through that with you in this narrative. Cause it's, it's um, in some ways it made me realize the privilege that I had uh, and just kind of parts of the process that I was totally unaware of. And uh, so I really appreciate that about your book, Jen. Yeah, thank you. I, it's a big part of why I wrote it was just that I felt like I had never seen this stuff represented. Definitely. Um, and I just wanted to do that. Yeah, I, I absolutely loved how specific you were with what was happening to your body. And, you know, I, I feel like someone who's going through that process wants to bathe themselves in that information, right? Like, and mm. I kept thinking, like, I thought, my husband and I, it took us a long time to conceive our first child. And I remember thinking like, I have been able to work hard and achieve things all my life. <laughs> and this is one of the things that I am not able to, to get by, by working harder or being better, or it's just, it's this thing that I want. And I, and it is, um, this is another thing I really loved about your book is, is the, the desire for the baby, the, the absolute like primal need for the child, um, that is inexplicable, but still you, you found a way to get it across in your book, mm. um, is the driving force. Right. And, um, and I, I just, I felt like it, it was such a, such a welcome, I don't know, manual, almost textbook, almost for, for, for people who, who have those struggles, you know, who, who are, you know, struggling with fertility or struggling to find sperm or, you know, like all of the above, um, and I, as I was, you know, listening, cause I listened to it as I was listening to it, I just kept thinking like, oh, I wish I had this, you know, back then when we were struggling to, to have our first, because it is so, it was, it's just so informative and so comforting. And, um, even as it's, you know, really hard to, to listen to and frustrating. And so I just, I don't know, I think, you know, it's, it's probably, I can see why it's terrifying for you <laughs> to have it out there in the world, but oh, absolutely. It's so important and, you know, um, unparalleled, I think. Well, thanks. Yeah. I mean, what you're saying resonates with me in terms of what I don't know that I actively thought about it so much until I was writing and revising, but just the way we attach so much value and the way we talk about fertility, <laughs> yeah. there's this assumption of value in how fertile we are and how easily we conceive. It's like, I think it'd be really, it's, really hard no matter what to struggle to conceive a child but I think we make it harder mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as a culture you had that line about the commodification of women's bodies related to the you know fertility or or not and I just I hadn't seen it written that clearly in that way and I, I was like oh my god of course I mean it was so obvious when I read it but that there's a million sentences in this book like that where it's like it's something that you 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 do a great job of putting it to its most essential 
truth about this this process um and yet when you read it it's really uh it's really revelatory i mean there were so many sentences like that in there but and can i just um say fuck dr norman <laughs> please say that yeah, yeah. fuck <laughs> you dr norman and everyone every doctor like you you know like there's the there's the casual i mean i think he was um you know outwardly hostile but then there's also like this casual like like unmeaning hostility of of just like this shorthand that doctors have where they just kind of look at you and, and just say you'll be fine you'll have a baby one day and and that's not enough information you know <laughs> like we need i i don't know what i'm looking at here i don't you know and it, and and you feel brushed aside you feel silly you know yeah. and and it's a very scary um frustrating heartbreaking process and you just want a little humanity and it's just shocking. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. I feel like so much of my experience of the medical industry in general is like that to the mm -hmm. degree that, you know, when I was writing the book, like one of my biggest fears before it launched was just that everyone's reaction to it was going to be like, you know, so what? Like nothing, mm -hmm. <laughs> nothing really happened. Like there's a way in which I felt like, the real event of the book is just how reliably shitty people are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was, there's not really a huge, um, you know, it's not, it's not a story about, you know, some big malpractice. It's just an issue of, you know, invisibility of these minor infractions that really slow everything down and mess everything up. But it is, um, thrilling at times. I mean, I was listening to the part where, um, <laughs> again, I feel so weird talking about it as if, <laughs> as if it's fiction, <laughs> but the part where you're, um, you're on that weekend to go see your partners. Um, she, she goes away to that three month, uh, intensive mm -hmm. and you're going to visit and, and you're like, I'm just going to take a, a, a pregnancy test. Why not? And I can remember that I, I related to that so hard. I had so many pregnancy tests around the house. I still have all my positive pregnancy tests. Oh, good. Me too. They're I in a drawer. I, cause I still don't believe it. I still don't believe it. Um, and I, I thought to myself, I know that this is going to be a positive test because I remember my husband and I, we had one more trying session before I was going to go see the specialist. And I was like, why bother? And we did it. We tried anyway. Hi, honey. And, um, <laughs> and that's what, that's how we made our first child. We, you know, it ended up, we ended up be becoming pregnant on that last ditch try. Um, so I thought, I know this is going to be the one, this is going to be the one. <laughs> so I was, you know, my kids are trying to talk to me and I was like, shh, <laughs> I have to listen. <laughs> oh, and your children's names are so wonderful. Oh, thanks. I actually, I use their middle names in the book oh, okay. just for that a little, little cushion, a little, push, so. little privacy. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, thank you so much for, for being on our show and thank you so much for, you know, giving us this access to this part of your life. Um, yes, thank you. it is so meaningful to so many people who are trying to have families and, um, I'm so glad that you got the family you always dreamed of. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's yeah. Great. Thanks so much for coming. This was wonderful. If people want to find you, where should they find you? Oh, um, I have a website, which is jenniferburney.com. And I'm on Twitter, Insta. Yeah, you can find me there. 
Ooh, cool. I'm going to go find you on Insta after this. Okay, great. You can see mm-hmm. pictures of my cow. Oh, good. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Tell me about your week. My week. Uh, So my oldest daughter is sleeping in a a real bed now and sleeping would be an inaccurate description. So we're, uh, we're dealing with that, but she's having fun in the moments where, uh, you know, she's aware of what's happening, but uh, yeah, so (laughs) just kind of been, you know, we're, uh, we're doing that. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm sure many people listening have tons of experience with that. So that's kind of been interesting but last um, night i went in to check on judith before i went to bed and she was mm-hmm. face down flat <laughs> on her rug asleep. Oh <laughs> now okay in that situation did you just say wonderful or do you pick her up and put her in the bed what's the what's oh the i put move? her i put her in bed okay and then this morning i said judith where did you go to sleep last night and she said on nine rug <laughs> So we'll see where she is tonight. Oh my God. The kids uh, tomorrow's Easter. So the kids are like, Ooh, we have to go to bed. So the Easter bunny can come. Right. So it's like, you know, at least they're trying to participate. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I don't remember Easter being that big of a deal when I was a kid, but it seems mm. like, I don't know. I just don't remember. I remember like, you know, looking for eggs and stuff, but I think once I realized I wasn't getting presents, I was kind of checked out. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I feel like um, there's definitely some hot, like, I feel like um, my kids' schools go way overboard for Valentine's Day and St. Patrick's Day and stuff. I'm like, those aren't, like, we shouldn't be going crazy about those. <laughs> like, come on. Um, but no, the, my kids are way into the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus. And, mm-hmm. and like, my eight-year-old is like, Mom. Is Santa Claus real? Is the Easter Bunny real? And I'm like, well, if you believe he's real, he's real. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to be like, no, for the past eight years, your father and I have been insane lying oh to you God. about a fat man coming into our home. It'd be so amazing, though, if you said that. Like, I don't even <laughs> think that answer would register, would it? Like, your dad and I are insane. We've been lying to you. I mean, he looks at the way he looks at me. He knows. He knows. <laughs> he just he still wants to believe it, you know? Mm hmm. So that's great. What about your week? How was your week? My kids are on spring break this week, so I got no work done, but we had fun as a family. Mm. I went to the art Institute today with my eight-year-old and saw a bunch of pictures were so great. Oh, it's amazing how much art is there. (laughs) (laughs) As the sentence was coming out, I was like, is this sentence coming out? Um, It's out. (laughs) But they have, they got your Picasso, they got your Van mm-hmm. Gogh, they got your Gauguin, they got your Warhol, anything and everything. It's, it is amazing how many, like, even of the stuff you put up, I was like, oh, I know that one. Yep, that one too. Yes. It's yeah. kind of staggering. You're right. Yeah, like Parker wanted to see Van Gogh and Picasso because those are artists he'd heard of. But I was like, that guy's famous. That lady's famous. Like, all this mm-hmm. is famous. And he was like, oh, okay. No, all right. All right. I mean, I'll cool, take your word for it. <laughs> He's uh he's really into Animal Crossing and like Animal Crossing has a character that comes to the island and he sells art but sometimes the art is a is a forgery. <laughs> oh my god, really? So yeah, so um I think that colors his view of everything we look at. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's god. fun going with an 8-year-old cuz he just wants to speed walk through everything. 
She's like, yep, I got it. Saw that. Yep. Check. You know, and I'm like, look at the movement here. Doesn't this, can you tell how this is different? And you know, he's just like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I asked him, there was like this really big piece that was like abstract, like collage painting type thing. Okay. Said, what is, you know, he's like interested in it. Cause it's, you know, to him, art is like a picture of something, you know, or like a painting mm-hmm. of something. And I'm like, you know, like, what do you think? Like, what does that make you think? And he goes, um, it makes me think of trash and paper. <laughs> and I was I like, okay, it. good. Seems like a great answer. Yeah. Isn't that like Jasper Johns? Isn't that the whole thing? Trash paper mm. picks it up. He's onto something. There you go. Yeah. 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 Um, you sent your book in, right? Yeah, hopefully, hopefully for the last time. Um, yeah, it feels it feels good. I guess I don't know. I think honestly, I am tr- I'm trying. My, I'm so superstitious by nature. Like, if <laughs> I have to, like, I can't even be honest about how I feel to myself about some of this stuff. So I'm just like, yeah, it's happening. Okay, this is That's happening. Good. Yeah, yeah, I I, I, I feel you on that. Yeah, so it's it's hard for me to think about. I don't know, but hopefully coming coming to an end point ish it's wild it's so wild uh, yeah you have big things happening uh fingers crossed everyone just cross your fingers for me Mm -hmm. that's it that's all i'm gonna say yep they're crossed thank you whatever other magical spells anyone has out there good i'm sure we have some witches out there please i hope so oh my god i hope so too i hope we have a large witch community listening (laughs) After this, I have to go hide the Easter eggs awesome. and hide the baskets. <laughs> Are you going to put anything weird in any of them? My mom, at like when we got older, she would put money in some uh-huh. of them. But like, maybe I hope I'm remembering this correctly. It wasn't like, oh, yours is the pink one and yours is the yellow. It was like, whoever found the money found the money. <laughs> okay, <so> like, <laughs> That's how it should be. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, I haven't. I, I also have fond, re- fond rememories. Mm-hmm. Let's make that a word. Like fond it. memories of um, my mom put, putting Slim Jims in our in our Easter baskets. And I remember thinking like, wow, a Slim Jim. Sure. Um, and I think I did that one year for Parker. And he was like, why did you put a Slim Jim in my... <laughs> so maybe that's like a, a 90s thing. I don't know. Um, oh, what no, you're going to getting... say is that she ripped up a Slim Jim and put it into the eggs. <laughs> I can see my mom doing that. My mom had some ideas sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, no, they're getting like little, oh God, my middle child, my five-year-old is obsessed with the idea of fishing. Oh yeah. I don't fish. Ben doesn't fish. We don't know how to fish. We don't have a fishing license, <laughs> but like he's obsessed. And so he'll just get a stick and he's like, let's go fishing. I have a fishing pole. Anyway, the Easter Bunny's bringing him his own fishing pole. So, oh my God, he's going to trip. Yeah. I need prayers in a different way now. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but then my other two, like Parker's really into books. So he's getting some books and then Judith's getting a Paw Patrol thing and nice. then candy and bubbles and other crap. So all the good stuff, all the good stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Just the way the Lord intended. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Anything you want to read? I have nothing. Okay. Um, is all quiet at your house? It is right now. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Well, happy Easter. Happy Easter, bud. See ya. Bye. 
Emma Ryder Butt is recorded by Alex Higley and me, Lindsay Hunter, in our respective basements. Because there's a pandemic out there, please wear a mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Editing by Lindsay Hunter. Music by Max Loop. 